Welcome to the Dreaming of Sleep podcast for moms of babies and toddlers. I am so excited that you are here today. In this podcast, I will be sharing tons of information on improving your child's sleep, and I will be breaking down all the sleep training myths so that you can make an informed decision about sleep training that feels good for you and your parenting style. I'm your host, Marley Klaus, a certified pediatric sleep consultant and mom of three. I am super passionate about helping both new and experienced moms ditch the mom guilt and start prioritizing themselves in all the ways, starting with better sleep. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, and welcome back to the Dreaming of Sleep podcast. I'm stoked that you are here today. So as a quick recap, last week I talked through two of the other top reasons I find that parents are not able to have their babies or toddlers sleeping through the night. And so if you missed that episode, go ahead and head on back to episode 12 and check that one out. And really quickly before we dive into the topic today, I wanted to talk a little bit about a new webinar that I have coming out and I'm super excited about it. And I think it's going to help a lot of parents with starting this journey with better sleep. So one of the key things that I think we don't always think about whenever it comes to better sleep is the sleep foundations. And so, you know, I've been there. I have been in the shoes that you are in currently where your baby is not sleeping and your toddler is not sleeping. And whenever we first have a baby, I feel like it's a little bit like the hustle that happens whenever you first launch a new business or when you first start a new job that you're stoked about. You have your baby, they're brand new and they're perfect, and you've got all of this new baby adrenaline, and so you just power through the day every day. You hardly even notice at first how exhausted you are, how you have these bleeding nipples, how you are stressing over them not eating enough, and on and on and on. You just make it happen. And then one day you wake up and it dawns on you, oh my gosh, I have to go back to work in four weeks weeks from maternity leave. Or, oh my gosh, how is this happening that my baby is already four months old and why are things not getting any easier? And I think I probably sound like a broken record when I say this, but I'll say it anyway. The things that we did in the first couple of months with our baby to get them to sleep are not going to work to help your baby learn how to sleep independently and ultimately sleep all night long at four months and beyond. Because our babies change as they grow, they need different things, they need different types of support, and they need a different way of doing things to be able to sleep and independently and get the sleep that they need to thrive. So that's awesome, right? I just pointed out things that are not working well, but what should you do instead? So that is where this new webinar comes in. I've created a webinar outline that I will be sharing live on Tuesday, April 18th at 10 a.m. Central, and it will be recorded so you can watch it at a later time if that time doesn't work for you. And this webinar is called Sleep Foundation, so you can start sleeping all night long. And so if you are interested in this, which you should be because it's gonna be awesome, then you should head on over to the show notes and click the link to sign up today. All right, so for today's episode, it's going to be a little bit more of a personal story. And this is about my five-year-old son and the journey that we have been on with sleep with him. And I think that regardless of whether your child is at my child's age or you have a itty bitty baby, that today's episode is going to be helpful because I'm going to be talking about how it isn't always as simple as just sleep training and problem solved. And so on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about how you as a mom and as a parent can advocate for your child and ensure that you're doing the things that you need to, to have their best interests in mind and to be able to continue digging deeper whenever you need to so that you can solve a challenge that they're facing and be able to get them to a better place, both from a 
health perspective and otherwise. Okay, so let's dive on in. So like I mentioned earlier, my son is five years old and about a year and a half ago, we noticed that he was having a lot of trouble with sleep. We had sleep trained at an early age. He was doing amazing. He always slept very, very well. And then it felt like almost out of nowhere, um, around the time that he was about three and a half years old, he would not go to sleep. He just, um, he was just taking forever to fall asleep. We hadn't really changed anything in our routines. We were still doing the same things that we had done before. He was going to bed at the same time, which was probably part of the issue. Um, but overall, it was just, you know, out of nowhere. He just started struggling to fall asleep and was some, some nights staying up until like 10 p.m. or even later. And so I started researching and was able to find a solution fairly quickly. And that solution was removing all of the fun items from his room. So what that meant was I put locks on his closet doors and we put all of his toys and all of his books in there. And I think some nights we still gave him maybe one book to read while he was falling asleep. But for the most part, we put everything in those closet doors and that helped immensely. And it helped very, very quickly. I think within a night or two, he was falling asleep fairly quickly after we put him to bed. Um, and his bedtime at that time was about 7.30. And so we went from him falling asleep around 10 or 11 o'clock at night to him now falling asleep around 8 or 8.30, which was a huge win. And so that helped, like I said, very quickly. And then it also only helped for a short period of time. Um, we slowly started noticing over um, a few month period that he was having more and more nights again where he was struggling to fall asleep. And so the biggest problem with this was that not only was he struggling to fall asleep at the beginning of the night, but he also was dead asleep whenever we came in to wake him up in the mornings for school or daycare. And so that was a telltale sign to me that he wasn't getting enough sleep. So obviously going to bed later was impacting him in a lot of different ways. He then was super, super cranky in the morning whenever we woke him up. He obviously wanted to sleep much longer, but we weren't letting him because we couldn't let him because we needed to go to school. Um, and he was having a lot of behavioral issues. We were noticing that he was very, very cranky. He was acting out in ways he hadn't before. He was saying mean things when he hadn't done that before. And overall, we were just seeing a lot of shifts in the way that he was behaving. And this also flowed into daycare at the time and now into his pre-K setting as well, where we were getting feedback from the teachers that he was extremely hyperactive throughout the day. He wouldn't sit still. He wouldn't pay attention to directions. Um, he was falling and hurting himself very often. And these are all telltale signs of a child that is not getting enough sleep. And so also at the same time, we were noticing that he was not eating. And just to be super straightforward, this was a challenge that we had had whenever he was a baby as well. He just didn't take bottles very well. He always drank just the minimum and he was spitting up quite a bit, but we never had a reflex diagnosis or anything like that. Um, but overall, he just was never a great eater and he never really cared about feeding, whether it was a bottle or whenever he got older, when it was actually solid foods. And so that had always been a challenge, but it didn't really become a glaringly challenging issue until 
all of a sudden we noticed at his four year checkup that he had not gained weight. And so, um, I mean, I think he had gained a minuscule amount in the last year, maybe a couple of ounces. And so that obviously sent off alarm bells for us and was something that was really concerning. And so his doctor started with the first step of prescribing a medication that was going to help increase his appetite. And she also did a full blood work panel just to ensure that there was nothing else going on that we needed to be concerned about. And that blood work all came back great. He had no issues. Um, and nothing else was going on. It was really at that point just a matter of how do we get his appetite up. So we started with that appetite increasing medication. That again <laughs> worked for a little bit. He went from not eating hardly anything during the day to now being super, super hungry in the mornings. And he would eat a lot for breakfast and then would still just kind of pick at his food throughout the rest of the day but it helped him increase his weight. We were able to see a pretty significant increase in his weight over the following six months, and that was really good to see. But we still were having the sleep challenges, we were still having the behavioral challenges, and so it was awesome that he was gaining weight, but we weren't really solving the holistic issue. And so the next step from there was prompted by a situation where my husband and my seven-year-old went out of town for the weekend, and my kids never sleep in our room. They never sleep in our bed or anything like that. But that particular weekend, because his sister and dad were out of town, I told him that he could sleep in my bed with me, and we could um, do that while they were out of town. So the first night that he slept with me, I noticed a lot of noise in his sleep. He was snoring and he was also just really having very disrupted sleep. And at that time, there was nothing going on that should have caused that. He wasn't sick. He wasn't super congested, nothing like that. And so it really raised a red flag for me. And so at that point, I reached out to his pediatrician again, and I let her know what was going on. She asked him to come in and make an appointment. And so we went to see her. She looked at him. She noticed that his lymph nodes were very swollen. Um, he was congested. We had been doing some allergy medication like Flonase and some other things for a long time at her advice, and it wasn't solving anything. He was still having regular um, congestion and other issues that were causing him to not breathe super well. And so at that point, she recommended us going to an allergist. And so we did that right away. We scheduled an allergy appointment and they did another blood draw. And that blood draw was to figure out if he was allergic to anything. And then our steps from there would have been to go ahead and do allergy shots to help him. So the allergist saw him and the allergist told us that he was a stereotypical, very straightforward case of an allergy kid. And so he told us that he would be absolutely shocked if it came back negative, but we would go ahead and do the testing and then figure out from there what to do as far as how to proceed with either shots or drops. So of course, um, we're going through the next days waiting to get the results, just assuming these are going to come back positive and that will be our solution. And then we'll be able to move forward and be able to help him get better. And so we get the call um, about four or five days later and they tell us, hey, surprise, everything was negative. He has no allergies. 
So at that point, I am seriously stressing out because I'm like, you know, I thought that was our solution. I thought that was what was going on. And while I'm happy that he doesn't have allergies right now and doesn't have to go through shots and all of those things, I'm still very confused and now trying to figure out what else the solution might be. So we, of course, connected back with our pediatrician again, and her advice at that point was to go see a ear, nose, and throat doctor because she felt like at this point it must be some sort of obstruction that is causing him to both not want to eat and also not sleep well. So we made the appointment for the ENT, and immediately after observing him and asking us a million questions, she identified that it would be the best thing to have his tonsils and adenoids removed because that was causing the obstruction for him to really not be interested in food because it was too difficult to chew and swallow, and for him to not sleep well at night because he had this obstruction that was causing him to not be able to breathe very easy at night and it was just causing him to have that restless sleep. So while I was super freaked out about my five-year-old needing to have surgery, I was relieved at that point to at least have a next step and to at least know that we were able to do something to hopefully help him. And so we scheduled that surgery and he had that surgery just this week on Monday and he is still recovering, and it's been a bit more of a challenge from a recovery standpoint than we expected it to be. He typically bounces back from things really quickly, and he doesn't typically complain a whole lot, um, but it has been pretty challenging, and he's been going through quite a bit of pain and is struggling to take his pain medications and things like that because of his throat being sore. Um, but all in all, we still know that it was the right decision, and we feel good about what we did. Um, and we are super hopeful that this is going to make a huge change for him and be a big impact in his life and in his, his ability to meet his basic human needs, um, which are sleeping and eating. So I will continue to provide updates as we go through this process and as he recovers and we start seeing some changes and I will update you on how things are going. But I just wanted to share this as an example of things aren't always as they seem and don't ever be afraid to reach out to your pediatrician, reach out to specialists if you feel like something is off and that you need to advocate for your child because they can't advocate for themselves. And we need to be able to be that person to speak up for them and be able to dig in and figure out what the solution is to whatever problem or challenge they are facing. I also share this as an example to let you know that not every situation is the same, and sometimes there will be additional factors that are contributing to the lack of sleep or contributing to other behavioral issues or whatever else it might be. And yeah, sometimes it is as simple as let's get some great sleep training methods in place, let's get some great routines and scheduling and all of those amazing things in place. And then other times there are some other factors that we need to be able to look into to be able to solve that challenge for you. And so I will always be 100% transparent with you about what I can and what I cannot help with. And I am always happy to provide resources and point you in the right 
right direction if this isn't something that I'm able to solve for you. So on that note, just want to remind you all that I have an incredible program called The Sleep Cure. This program is intended to help moms who are ready and committed to sleep train and are ready to start sleeping all night long and their baby is ready for it as well and is healthy and thriving, but they just need to solve this sleep challenge. And so I would absolutely love to help you on this journey. I work with moms in a very personalized and one-on-one, very, very involved basis. And so I'm only able to take on a couple of clients at a time. And so if you are interested in doing this and you are ready to get going, I would encourage you to click the link in my bio to get signed up today or to schedule a free sleep evaluation call so we can connect and ensure that we are a great fit to work together. And I did just announce also uh, this week that I am now offering a guarantee. And so what that means is if you are committed and you put in the work and you do the things that I tell you to do to be able to get to an awesome place with sleep and you haven't met your sleep goals that we identified at the beginning of our work together, by the end of the two weeks that we spend together, I will keep working with you until you meet those sleep goals. So there is literally nothing to lose. If you are worried that this is not going to work for you, you don't need to be because I will ensure that you are successful if you are meeting me halfway and putting in the work to be successful. So I can't wait to connect with you and I will see you back here next week for our next episode of the Dreaming of Sleep podcast. Have a great day. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. And I would love if you could share it with someone who you think it may help. I would also be super excited to hear from you. So feel free to DM me on Instagram at your world and color, or send me an email at Marley at your If you are ready to get support with improving your baby or toddler's sleep in as little as seven to 14 days in a way that feels aligned with your parenting style, visit my website at yourworldandcolor.site to learn more.